Welcome to She Who Overcomes, the podcast where we equip women of all walks of life to be extraordinary leaders. I'm Mandy B. Anderson. And I'm Rachel Perman, and we are your hosts. We are the co-founders of Rayma Team, a life and leadership coaching company for women. Each week, we're going to have conversations about what we're overcoming, what we are learning, and what our guests are learning, so that you can find the clarity and direction that you need to rise up, lead well, and live with intention. What you've overcome makes you a leader, no matter what your title is. So grab your coffee and let's talk about it. Hello, overcomers, and welcome to finally another episode of the She Who Overcomes podcast. It feels like the break was really long. It probably it, wasn't more than oh, a I month or two. Was. was it two months? I don't know. I think it was supposed to be two months and now we're probably going on three. I think, well, maybe two months altogether, but three actual calendar mm. months were named in the process, like July, August, September. So um, a lot has happened. Over the summer. Yeah, for sure. We are actually sitting right now in a brand new podcast studio slash photography studio slash coaching room slash everything. Yeah, slash <laughs> uh, Zoom room. Yeah, we, we moved back. So this summer, we had the opportunity to move back to our original office space that we started out as way back when we were Big Blue Couch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we moved out of this place in 2017, I think, when we moved downtown in yeah, like January. So. And we got our space back, which means we have our bookshelves back <laughs> and filled with all of our books. Um, but we spent some time, Nate and I came in and painted, which if you're new to the show, Nate is my husband. Um, but we painted the Raymond team colors of like the the gold and the teal and the pink. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really fun to be back in the studio studio. There have been many memories. So in this many. Place. It feels a little bit like deja vu. And one of the things I think you said it when we did the beautiful wholeness um event here that it's like it's like going back to your high school at a reunion or just going back to visit. And it's like, you know, you've been there and you have memories there, but it's like you're an older, wiser version of yourself. And that's totally what it feels Mm -hmm. like coming into this space. Well, I think what I, what I said was, it feels like you are going back to the school that you graduated from only now you're the teacher. Oh yeah. Like it it is, you're like this totally different person, but you're, you're still sort of the same Mm -hmm. and things are a little bit the same, but a lot has changed. And so it's very nostalgic and I love it. I absolutely love it here. I'm so glad that we moved back to the idea center. I'm really glad that, um, we got our office space back. That's really, that's why we moved back here with the hopes of this happening. (laughs) If we're honest. Yeah, we were we were hoping that the people who were renting this space were not planning on staying here for super right. long. We, yeah. um, so that was the whole idea. And thankfully, the people at the Idea Center knew that we'd been here before. And so they offered it up to us before it went public because yeah. we wanted this space back. And I think, honestly, this time around doing the podcast room, uh, we're definitely using it more multi-purpose than we did the first yes. time around. Like, it kind of sat empty unless we were actually podcasting. Well, that's because we had this great, big, like, tall, yeah. custom-designed square tabletop mm-hmm. that was just for podcasting. It was hard to use it for anything else. Right. And you it could, took up most of the room. It took up most of the room. So now we, the, we've just gotten smarter with our furniture. <laughs> That probably came from when we were sharing one tiny little room waiting for this room to open up. We realized we don't need 
as much furniture if, as we had the first time around. If any of our overcomers are listening to this and you're like, I need a visual. How do I find out what this looks like? Just go to Instagram and you will see, like scroll through, you'll see photos of our office somewhere on there and you'll get it. Right. Um, you might even see photos way back of like, um, not when we were here, like we got rid of all those. We pulled a Taylor Swift, but um, <laughs> we, you might see photos of like when we were downtown in the big space, mm-hmm. all those things. But anyway, so um, the other thing that happened this summer besides our beautiful homeless event, which was so much fun. It was awesome to bring it back. It really was. Um, was I finally, finally, finally got to do my TED talk. Yay. Like, 15 minutes that took two years almost to get there. Yes. And it was over in 15 minutes. Like the day itself obviously wasn't. Right. But the talk was done in maybe 16. I think I went over by a little bit, but technically I had up to 18 minutes mm-hmm. according to TEDx. But this, the Bismarck team wanted us to keep it to 15 ish. So, you know, I, I'm, I don't know where I ended. All I <laughs> you know used is, the ish. Part. All I know is I used the ish part because I had I looked down at the end and I had saw like a minus thirty seconds on the clock and I was like crap I'm not done like I still have two more like I two more sentences or three I right. don't know so I sped it up a little we'll see how that went but my coach <laughs> said it was fine as far as time wise and he for the first time ever gave me a great job. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah, he, no, he did not tell me great job. Like, <laughs> Lauren, if you're listening. He really what, made you wait. He really made me wait for it. And actually, it, that's one of the things I love about him and hate about him at the same time is that you have to work so hard to get a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> like a genuine, like right. high level compliment. Right. Well, you know, that's that's the sign of a good coach. They're not going to. It is true. They're not going to just give you lip service, but it was fantastic. It was fun being in the audience. It was a great day. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely worth waiting for. I forget how much actually has happened since the last time we talked to you guys on the podcast. I know so much. So um, today's topic is all about grief and how to lead through it. And that is something that I think we're both overcoming mm-hmm. sort of. Um, And I want to draw us into that because this weird thing happened the very next day after TEDx. (laughs) I woke up and I immediately thought to myself, now what? Like it was this weird, like in my book, Dangerous Hope, I talk about hope deferred and how you feel like things look hopeless or they feel hopeless Mm -hmm. or a dream is taking too long. And all this stuff. And I had this weird sense of hopelessness afterwards because all I wanted to do was get up there and do it again. Right. Like ASAP. And I didn't have anything on my calendar yet. And I didn't know when the next thing would be that would challenge me in that way. Mm-hmm. And it was part of the grief process of, you know, coming down from the high of of reaching a goal. Right. But also, I mean, I've... I had a death in my family mm-hmm. in August. And so what I'm noticing is I'm allowing myself to um, have time now because I couldn't really do it before TEDx. I had to focus on right. first beautiful wholeness and then TEDx. And um, it was really hard to do that because I kind of had to do like the funeral singer thing mm-hmm. where you're grieving, but you can't let yourself 
think about it. So right. you have to shut it out yep. until after you're done singing <laughs> at the funeral and then you can feel the feelings. Right. I'm not even sure how you do singing at a funeral. Like I have you never? I have never because once I That's start to I cry, I can't sing and cry at the same time. Right. And if I see anybody crying, like if I guess if I was if I did it, I'd have to have my eyes closed. I could, I've played piano before, but okay. I've never actually sang. Um because yeah, once I see somebody mm-hmm. crying, which is you know, pretty common at a funeral. Right. I can't stop. And I ugly cry. Yeah. And, oh, me too. And I can't, I can't sing and cry. Some well, people can. But that's how I do it. Right. Like I, I don't pay attention to why I'm there. Mm-hmm. If there is a viewing of the body, I typically don't. Right. Because I can't, like I will go right. into that place. Yep. And um, the weird thing about it is, so it was actually my grandpa who passed away and we knew it was coming. Um, and we, postponed the funeral for about a month for some various reasons, Mm -hmm. which I think was good. Yeah. It actually gave us all some time to think about like how we really want to honor him Mm -hmm. and um, all of that. And so when I did finally get to the funeral, which was almost a month later, um, I did sing and my dad and my aunt and my uncle all spoke. And originally in the plan of the, you know, the funeral, I was supposed to sing after that. Okay. Thankfully, somebody, I don't know if it was the pastor or whoever, put me at the front beforehand because I ugly cried through my dad talking. Oh, I'm aunt, sure. Uncle, and there's no way I would have been able to sing after mm-hmm. that. Like, I, I really wouldn't have because of that reason. Right. Or I would have had to shut myself out so much that I couldn't yep. have really appreciated what was being said. Mm-hmm. And so, which would have been unfortunate. Which would have really right. been unfortunate. So that's kind of how like this whole idea of grieving came up because what I realized is not only was I grieving a loved one who had passed on, mm-hmm. I was grieving this dream right. that happened. But it, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, it's like this thing like I literally woke up one day like Elle Woods thinking I should be a TEDx speaker. Like I had <laughs> no idea why. And so it was a three-year process, a three-year goal to like figure out what it takes and what mm-hmm. I would talk about and to get accepted and to craft that message for those 15 minutes. Right. Like 15 minutes of my life. And I put like, I'm sure I put over 100 hours of work into it, into it. Oh, I'm sure. And so I think what I didn't realize was, you know, you as a TEDx speaker, and I've talked to other speakers who were there that day who kind of felt the same thing. So thankfully, I wasn't alone. Um, But, you know, the thing about TEDx is you get the opportunity to step into this platform that could be really big Mm -hmm. when the video is online. What they don't tell you, though, until the day of the event or the day before the event is that you don't get the recording. Like that recording of the video does not show up on YouTube until 12 weeks later. Right. So in this instantaneous world that we're in, I sit there thinking like, oh, I'm going to do this TEDx thing and the next day we can post the video and all this yeah. stuff. That's not true. So it's this waiting period mm-hmm. that came with grieving and somebody else who we're actually going to have on the podcast in a couple of weeks, her name is Katie. And she was a speaker that day too. And we were emailing each other and I told her that. And she said, I felt the same way. Like right. it was hard to want to get up and work or anything like it's just this weird feeling and I don't know what else to call it other than grief Mm -hmm. it's like you're grieving this goal that you accomplished right but now what right exactly and I 
it, it's kind of funny. I actually forgot what this first episode was going to be about. And yesterday I was working on um, like a one sheet that has to do with Unbroken. So Unbroken was a Bible study I wrote. I think it was 2017. The I, first edition might have been 2016, actually. I don't even remember, don't remember, but it was retired for a while. And then we brought out the second edition. So by the time this goes out, you'll be able to get the second edition on um, Amazon. And please do, because that would be awesome. Yes, let's <laughs> help her become a bestseller. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but one of the things that is really a topic that I tend to talk about quite frequently is grief. And not so mm. much in, you know, losing someone, more like the anything that you um, lose in your life, whether it's a dream or it's, um, you know, a position at a job, it's a move, it's a relationship. But I was going through it yesterday, going through the one sheet and kind of going through questions that would be, you know, ones that a podcast interview would ask or something like that. And I thought I had this thought of like, I think there's also grief when things change. Mm -hmm. In your life. And it's not one we've actually really talked about a whole lot, oh. but I think it ties into this because that's what happened. Like, it mm -hmm. was actually a really good thing. Like, there wasn't right. a loss that happened in your life, no. but it was a major change and shift from three years towards one goal. And all of a sudden, literally the next day, mm -hmm. it's a complete shift and change. And I think there is a grief process to that. And it might not be the exact same, you know, five or seven steps of grief right. that might look different. Um, but I think there is some merit to this idea that we need to think bigger about grief than just losing someone. And when mm -hmm. grief compounds, like what you're talking about, where you have not only this change, but also loss mm -hmm. in your life. And you have to kind of defer the grief of that yep. because you can't break down. You've got things you need to get done. Um, I think it does compound just like, you know, they talk about compound grief from a clinical level. I think that happens when change is on top of change on top of change. It does. And I think not only that, but it was also the anniversary, the one year anniversary of when a, a very close friend yep. had chosen to walk out of our lives. Right. And so it was this whole like you have a grief anniversary. Yep. You have the grief of an actual death in life. Mm -hmm. And then you have the grief of change. Yep. And we don't talk about it enough, I don't think, because a lot of people have that mindset of, well, just move on, get over it and move on, mm -hmm. which actually hurts us, right? I, I believe, um, from the research I've done, from the people that I've learned from who are really leaning into that, that sphere of vulnerability, mm -hmm. that, that message of just move on and get over it actually hurts you because then oh, you absolutely. don't know how to handle the next time. Oh, for sure. And then it does, the it does time. compound and it leads to self-sabotage. Mm -hmm. It leads to all kinds of problems um, that we have when we don't deal with it. And it, it's it's funny because, you know, we have some things that are common right now when we're going through a grief right. cycle. I'm actually going through some old grief that I haven't processed completely with a counselor right now, too. So it was kind of like August was like, you know, that that song where it's like, wake me up when September ends. Yeah, it was definitely was like, wake me up in August ends yep. because my word has this been hard. And mine, I have some grief anniversaries that come into September. Um, and yeah, we don't talk about it enough. And because we don't talk about it, we don't think that it's real or we think mm -hmm. we're the only ones dealing with it or we're doing it wrong or we shouldn't be this like affected mm -hmm. by change, especially if it's a good thing. Right. Like with the TEDx thing, I think we really don't talk about that. No. Enough where something finally happens that we've been waiting mm -hmm. for. And then you have that ne next day moment of 
Now what? Mm -hmm. Well, and I've heard other people talk about that. I've heard um, Amanda Bolin has the um, She Does It Her Way podcast, and she had a guest on there. I do not remember who, but they were talking about how this this woman had this goal, and I can't remember if it was a sport or if it was like some sort of an award that she won for writing a book. I don't remember, but it was something pretty phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And she reached it and she said, I remember thinking to myself in the hotel room that night, that's it. (laughs) Like what now? Like I have made this my sole focus Mm -hmm. and what now? And just the reality of the hilltop and the view didn't match up to what she had been dreaming about. Right. And I think it's one of those things like I've needed to take some time to look at my own patterns Mm -hmm. of grieving. And the first time I really remember doing this was probably over a decade ago, around the time when um, my my one of my grandmas had passed away. And it was the first close death to me that Mm -hmm. I had experienced in life. And that kind of put me on this path of, you know, shopping more. questioning a lot of things in life, which isn't necessarily a negative pattern, but it definitely is a pattern. A pattern. And I've started really figuring out, okay, what are my patterns when I grieve? And so when we're thinking about this topic of how do you lead through grief, one of the things that I think really helps to lead through it is to get some counseling. (laughs) For sure. And I think because like you and I both have great counselors, not the same one. No. That would be that would, that would be, be hard weird. for that person. Yeah, I, would I think. think it would be too. <laughs> uh, but from the same company, which I think is awesome, mm-hmm. um, and we have this. Like I remember talking to my counselor just a few weeks ago, saying I'm noticing my pattern, mm-hmm. and when I grieve, my pattern is to shop a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I dive into fiction, which I have been devouring the Throne of Glass series all summer long. Um, but especially since August, like right. I think I've gone through a book a week and they're big books. Right. I mean, they're huge. Um, I avoid reading the Bible, which is funny because I talk to God a lot, but I avoid reading mm-hmm. his word. But right. I will go on like crying bike rides. Right. With okay. like, I am that weird woman coming down the path, singing her heart out, crying through a worship song, both like for real. <laughs> and if I see somebody coming, I'll, I'll be quiet until I pass them. Right. But then I'll go right back into it. So I am that weird songbird on a bike. Um, <laughs> and then I also sleep a lot, but I also have trouble sleeping mm-hmm. at night. So it's like, I just want to sleep, but I wake up in the middle of the night. Right. And I have a hard time being creative. Like, I think I try to be creative if I am, it's in new ways. Like my Picasso period. <laughs> that that was a fun period. <laughs> that was a fun period. That was the period. I think the painting with sticks is my favorite part. Because <laughs> you could have easily that. painted. I didn't have one. She was painting the inside. Just to give you a picture, guys. She was painting the inside of mason jars. And I don't remember why. This was during her Picasso period. But she was painting. I, wanted, I don't know. I probably saw it on Pinterest. Probably. Um, <laughs> she was painting the inside of jars but instead of using a brush she was using a stick and i'm not entirely sure <laughs> what your like thought a, process was I but i don't know either i think it was like a kebab stick <laughs> yeah to be honest yep it was <laughs> maybe I'm, i didn't have a paintbrush i'm sure I don't it was know. taking a lot longer than it needed to um painting with i a needed stick, it but. to take longer rachel to process through my feet that is that's probably <laughs> I can't true believe I did that. <laughs> like, I <laughs> 
hey, whatever. It got the job done. It did. It gave it that real rough look that right. I was rustic. Going for. Rustic. Rustic. So what are your patterns, Rachel? <laughs> oh my. Okay. So um my favorite pattern is to be in complete denial. That is um, your favorite. Yeah. You that- people. That anything is wrong, that I am emotionally not doing well, that my anxiety is high, my depression is kicked in. Um, I am usually the last to figure it out that Mm -hmm. there's a problem because I like denial. I like to sit in denial. I don't think I do that as often when it's an actual person that has died like that, that there is a stage of denial with that. But I definitely hold on to that one when it's a relationship that dies, when something has changed in my life. Um, If there's a grief anniversary, that is the one I like. And because of that, I get a lot of physical symptoms. Um, And that's usually my first clue. Something is wrong because my hair starts to fall out like, and not just like, Oh, kind of like last year um, when that relationship died in our life like i actually ended up at the doctor and they did a test for uh a blood test for i think it was to see whether or not leukemia was a was a part of it like just because of losing hair mm -hmm, it was coming out in such big handfuls all of a sudden it was also during that time we were still trying to figure out what was going on um with the neuropathy pain and all of that too so that was a real fun blood test thankfully it was negative but like that that's my like it literally mm. leads me to going to the doctor and because of the nerve pain that i have and the ptsd like it it all combines when i deny stuff mm-hmm. like that for so long i get physical well, symptoms didn't our hairstylist ask you yes because she was no she always knows like i like how with- long does it take for you to figure out oh my hair's been falling out for what a week several weeks months what, Usually, how long does it take well this you time around it? it didn't take as long because it was such a it was almost a one week process from really? like normal to like almost i had balding spots up like you know where like men yeah. have male pattern baldness up there like that was starting to get thin and i have been with my stylist since before even my divorce so mm-hmm. she's been with me from even pregnancy losing hair to the stress of you know being married before and all of that so she definitely knows um when something's up and so yeah i had been i went in and i told her i said um there's a big old problem with my hair right now and so like we've been working for the last year to like get it healthy again and i want to grow it back out long again but yeah that is what happens when we stuff it when we deny it when when we're like yeah we're i'm fine um, and I think some of it has to do with the PTSD that I have where I can compartmentalize mm-hmm. emotions, not in a healthy way, um, but it keeps me moving. Like it yeah. keeps me being able to function. And so those those patterns are deep. So when um, our fur baby, mm-hmm. Aja B, when she passed away in 2017, that is also the spring that Nate and I got bikes and we became outdoor people. Mm-hmm. And um, we ca- we became sporty spices, and before that, we were lazy spices. <laughs> and um, we, I remember that year because I was still grieving. Mm-hmm. Like it was difficult to bike over the bridge. Yep. And I noticed the other day, like I just had a doctor appointment in August. My lung functions are great, like the best they've been in years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I noticed the other day, like I'm getting winded going up and down the steps and yep. grief can do that. Like oh, it, can, yes. it yep. can manifest some physical symptoms that don't really mean there's anything actually wrong medically. Right. It's just part of the grief process. And I think it's important 
to start paying attention to what our patterns are when we are grieving so that we know. Mm-hmm. And one of the things um, when I was talking to my counselor and I told her this whole thing, like, so I'm noticing that I shop. <laughs> and once upon a time in 2008, I had the shopping ban of 2008 because I, right. we were in a lot of debt. So shopping right now has been something like I've needed new clothes because my body has changed from some medication. But um, I've maybe bought more than I necessarily needed at one time. Mm-hmm. Not like crazy, not like putting us backwards. But because of that experience in the past, right. I'm aware of it. Yep. And as I was talking to my counselor about this, she said, you, you might not ever be able to change that that is your default coping mechanism. Mm. So you either get to accept it, but figure yep. out how you can manage it in a way that's not detrimental or you keep getting frustrated at yourself mm-hmm. because that's what happened. Right. And so I said, you know, the same with reading fiction books. Like when I am diving into books and to the point where I don't want to talk to anybody in my house, I just want to <laughs> read books. <laughs> I know I'm like deep in my head. Mm-hmm. And all of that, like she said, it's not something to really be concerned about because it, it for a season, as long as you don't let yourself go back to Right. The really super bad patterns. Yes, that makes sense. Or go overboard. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And I can usually tell too by my physical environment also. Like, and yes. it's it's the the old days, like like the me from a decade ago, um, really saw this pattern more often where like the house looked clean, but if you dug a little bit deeper, you know, the things that you would do to keep a home clean, like the dusting and mm. the, you know, the deep cleaning, that kind of stuff never happened. And yeah. that is definitely something I've noticed over this last um, summer um, have kind of slacked a little bit mm. more. And I, I like that you brought that up because there, I think there are some default patterns mm-hmm. that we go to. And I think this was the first time that I noticed it, that I didn't like feel that I should be like, like I'm some kind of bad mom or bad housekeeper because there was more dust in my house than I realized over the summer. And I'm like, well, for one thing, it's summer and we're like in and out of the house all the time. Like Mm -hmm. we have people, we had had you guys over like all the time. We have three birthdays right in a row. That's a lot of people in and out. That's the doors open, Mm -hmm. wind. We live in North Dakota, the dogs in and out and all of that. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I was just like, well, I guess it's time for like some pretty good deep cleaning. And instead of being like, oh my word, where have I been? Mm -hmm. Like, what has happened? All of this stuff. Well, life happened. Like, we were actually enjoying our home. Mm -hmm. And that's why it got dirty. Not enjoying... I mean, there was some neglect because I wasn't, you know, all in because it took so much emotional Mm -hmm. capacity and actual spoons. Like, we've talked about spoon theory before. You guys can look that up if you've never heard of it before. So much spoons just to life Mm -hmm. when you're grieving. That cleaning... And organizing and, and you know, making sure your household of five is running mm-hmm. smoothly. That didn't happen because no. there were no spoons for that. So I think like for anybody that's been listening and you're like, okay, but how do I lead through mm-hmm. grief? Like we've mentioned counseling. Yep. We haven't mentioned this word, but we've been modeling it the entire time. And that's vulnerability. Yep. Like, and that ties right into ties, the counseling. Yeah. Too. Like you have to be vulnerable to get counseling. Yes. Um, but also being vulnerable with the people around you, mm-hmm. because I've had to have those conversations with Nate, like, hey, I think this is what I'm going through, mm-hmm. what I'm dealing with. I'm just going to let myself do it right now. Right. Three months from now, if I'm still going through it and nothing is getting better, then we might need to figure something out. Mm-hmm. But like I'm getting counseling, like I have all the people yep. in place so yep. we don't have to worry. Yep. 
Um, And then the third thing would be grace, like giving yourself grace. And if you are somebody in, in a home or like in your home or in your work environment or in your company, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, if you own the company, if you know somebody's going through a season of grieving, give them some grace. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think as leaders and women, because, you know, we are leaders no matter what our title is. Right. If we just lead the home, mm-hmm. that is that is enough. Yep. Um, and that is worthy of a title of leader. But we have the opportunity to let people and invite them and give them permission to feel those feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, too, just I think women may, might be a little bit more able to sense when somebody else is going through something before mm-hmm. they can even articulate what is going on. Um, and, and knowing patterns of like if you are somebody who has a team or you, you know, you own a company and you have employees getting to know your employees' patterns and your team's Mm -hmm. patterns, like that is super important. Like it is something Mandy and I know about each other. Mm -hmm. There are certain things that will like click off a little thing in our head that'll be like, hmm, something is not right here. Um, And they're little. They're like things you would pick up in an office, like tasks that are getting put off that are actually important. But there's, you know, it's these same things Mm -hmm. that happen over and over again. And I think that's part of being a leader is not Mm -hmm. only knowing yourself, but knowing the patterns of the people around you that you do have influence over. Yeah. And not to be giving into excuses. Mm -hmm. Like there is a level where sometimes you're like, oh, well, that's just how she is. She's grieving. Right. Because there is a level of you need to give them grace to go through this season. You also, as a leader, need to know when the season has been strung along longer than it needs to be. Yep. And you need to encourage them to get the help that they need or put a little fire under their butt. And right. we have done this to both of us. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because the reason I'm actually in counseling again is because you were like, um, I think it's time for you to do counseling again. I'm like, I don't think so, because that's what I always say. And then you give me like 24, 48 hours. And I'm like, okay, so I messaged to this person and I'm, I've started a conversation here. So I'm going to get in with counseling um. Yeah, because I sometimes we don't mm-hmm. notice it or that it's gone on longer. Like right. you said, like three months from now, if I'm still doing these same things, then check in with me. Right. Um. But yeah, and I think that's sometimes the the problem with grief is that fine line between how long is this supposed to last? Right. And it's different for every person. Literally every situation. It is. It, but there should come a point where mm-hmm. even if the grieving is lasting longer than you would like or then you think mm-hmm. there is a point where you you can find the support and the resources yep. where you can still grieve but also up your game also a little life bit. at the same yeah. time yeah because you should be able mm-hmm. to do both like if it's if it just keeps going down into the depths of depression then by all means definitely tell that to a counselor because right. you need you need some help like right. whatever that is but i think as leaders we might not always realize mm-hmm when that is. And so if you are somebody and you're listening to this and you're like, oh gosh, I have a team member that has really been going through a hard time and I just want to tell her to get over it. Right. Well, instead of that, why don't you just send her some resources like this podcast Mm -hmm. and say, hey, I listened to this and it encouraged me and it made me think of you. Maybe there's something that would encourage you here. Yep. Because as leaders, we can't always be their coaches. Like Rachel and I cannot be each other's coach Definitely for fitness. Like we cannot do nope. that. We will <laughs> we will drive into the parking lot of the gym and then go get coffee instead. Right. That has actually happened. But um we can challenge each other professionally in mm-hmm. other ways. Mm-hmm. 
So figure out how that is with the people that you work with, whether it's in your work environment or in your home. Right. And and figure out a plan. Figure out a way to move move through it and to lead through the grief. Absolutely. All right, you guys. So let's close this one out. We want you to write this down if you get nothing else from this podcast, which I'm sure you probably got many things from this podcast. But write down what you've overcome makes you a leader. Underline it. Put it on a post-it note. Put it on a mirror somewhere so you can see it every day. The problem with this, though, is that the lies and labels keep tearing you down, making you feel like you're weary, weak, and worthless. And we want to help you strengthen your mindset. So we've designed a guide that helps you embrace this mindset of an overcomer. And in just 10 minutes, you can flip the switch in your mind and hold your head high. You'll also get access to the Overcomers Club. This is our private group on Facebook where we get to hang out with all of our overcomers every single day. So get started today at raymateam.com, R-A-Y-M-A-T-E-A-M.com. Just scroll to the middle of the page where it says get started and you'll see it right there. All right. So I hope and we hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode. We've enjoyed talking about it. It can be a hard topic to talk about, but I think we had fun with it. I'm still (laughs) chuckling that I painted with a stick. Um, during a season of grief. (laughs) But anyway, that is all that we have for you for this episode. We want to encourage you to rise up and lead well this week. And we will talk to you next week with a brand new topic. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. Before you go, would you mind doing us a favor? We would love to hear your takeaways. So please leave us a review and a comment. You might just hear your name in a future episode when you do. This show is produced by Rayma Team Media, a division of Rayma Team LLC. If you'd like to learn more about how you can work with us, visit raymateam.com. That's www.raymateam.com. All right, our coffee is cold, so we gotta go. See you next week.